Kink 101 is proud to present Deviant Discussions, where kinksters come together and put the Y in kink, with Diavol Diablo, Subtle Shadow, and Glass Girl. This is Deviant Discussions. Got it. Jesus. I know. I hate that woman. Like, anyway. <laughs> She's horrible. Seriously, the woman that says that she's recording us, I just, I have beef with that lady. I think that would be fun if you could like change up the theme of it. Like she could be like a pirate one day, like, ah, <laughs> we're recording. You know what I mean? Like different recording like, voices. Process me hearties. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That would be recording. Or like. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Darth Vader. <laughs> it was i wasn't sure what that was no it sounded like sex noise under a duvet to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) under a duvet (laughs) shadow for you that's a comforter just fyi oh i thought you know what is really actually kind of funny is in my head i was thinking of thinking of a bidet not a duvet (laughs) sex in a bidet would sound very different (laughs) Vader is on point. <laughs> I don't know. Was it more bidet or duvet? What do we think? Answers on a postcard, please. <clears throat> anyway, oh moving Jesus swiftly. swiftly I'm so ashamed to... right now. <laughs> it's a shame. Oh, it's Aww. funny you should say well, that. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we're talking about today, right, Dee Dee? Uh, apparently, yeah. I mean, right now I'm still stuck on the Darth Vader thing, but it kind of turned yeah, me on a little I'm bit. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the duvet thing, honestly. It's not duvet, it's duvet. I like duvet. But that's why you think of a bidet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Okay, anyway, so yeah, I did actually wanted to have like quite a serious <sighs> discussion with you guys today. And as you can tell, we've started out very, very well with that. Um, but mm-hmm. we've just recently on Kink 101 been running the kink shaming survey we had oh my god shadow how many respondents do we have in the end um actually we had quite a few uh close to 150 which is crazy considering our impact play survey i think had like 50 so ah, yeah it just you know we're we're reaching a wider audience and that's amazing um but also i think yeah. kink shaming is important to people and maybe mm-hmm. impact play isn't um not to say it's not <laughs> important but maybe you know they're not if anything, well, I I answered both, so I'm not. I, I mean, my answers were probably quite negative on the impact play one, but I can't remember. I've slept since. Oh then. yeah. So what's the topic today, Dee Dee? <laughs> the topic today is about overcoming the shame of being kinky. Um. Oh, I thought it was about kink shaming. Sorry. Well, it kind of is, but it's more about rather than other people shaming us about our kinks, it's how we mm-hmm. process shame internally. Um, you know, oh. overcoming that feeling of I shouldn't be like this or why am I like this um, and the negativity that comes with that. I think some people can be really lucky and they start exploring kink and BDSM and they have full confidence in themselves about doing so. Uh, whereas other people, they have to either keep it hidden for so long that it eventually manifests as shame or, you know, some of the things that you're into, you just might think are kind of fucked up. I know I certainly do about some of my kinks. Um, and it took me a long time to get over that shame. So I kind of mm-hmm. just wanted to talk about it. 
And understand from you guys how you've dealt with those experiences of feeling ashamed of yourself for being kinky rather than someone else attempting to shame you for being kinky. Uh, And what what kind of ways you found to overcome that. I was just going to jump in real quick and say that um, for our listeners, there's a difference between shame and guilt. So like guilt is a feeling you get when you did something wrong versus shame, which is a feeling that you, your whole self is wrong. Like you are just wrong on a very deep <laughs> level. Um, so while guilt is something, an action, shame is more of like an internal feeling. Anyway. No, it's a, good, it's a good distinction to make for sure. I think a lot of the time people do feel more guilty about things that they've done wrong. And it's not necessarily that they're ashamed of, for example, with topping and sadism, you know, if you do something wrong and you have a, an experience where shit goes badly and you feel guilty about that, that's not the same thing as being ashamed of being a sadist or being a top. Um, so it's an important distinction to make for sure. Um, but so glass, what about you? Like, have you ever felt ashamed of your kinks? Absolutely. Um, I think especially, um, especially the ones that kind of are considered more taboo. Um, so like DDLG, um, age play, CNC, those types of kinks, um, like asking myself, like, why am I into this? Like like there's gotta be something wrong with me if I like this. Um, and, and yeah, and it's, other people don't need to shame me about it. It's a question. Um, it's a question of me shaming myself and feeling like there's something, there was something wrong with me for being interested in these things for sure. Do you think that some of that would have been almost mitigated or at least alleviated if you'd have addressed those inner workings like did it make you want to reflect on why am I into this rather than there must be something wrong with me if I'm into this I eventually got there so it you know it started out with feeling like there must be something wrong with me um one of the ways I know for myself that um I kind of deal with those feelings or actually with any kind of emotion or any kind of something that I'm feeling like I'm not fully understanding, um, is research. Um, it just, I like to, I, I like to look at the data. I like to find out the whys of things, which is, you know, why kink 101 is, um, one of the reasons why it's so special and important to me. Um, so it was about doing the research and reading and also finding other people who had the same desires and, um, and same kind of concerns and being also being able to talk to them. Um, I hate the words like, like like-minded individuals, but people who share the same kinks and, um, you know, the, the ability to feel, feel less alone in it because I'm definitely going to shame myself. Right. But I'm not going to shame anybody else. So the question comes, like, if I look at someone else who's into CNC and I see nothing wrong with it for them, and I think it's great that they're exploring it, but for myself, it's a problem. Right. Um, yeah. So research and, um, and looking into the whys of things really gave me kind of that power, gave me the power back to feel like it was okay. That's awesome. I love hearing that. I mean, I think it's really important to, to be able to get out there and engage with, as you say, but 
don't like calling it like-minded individuals or at least people that share some kind of grounding in the same sort of kinks because even if two people say that they like the same kink it's never exactly the same way that they like it or anything like that but getting out there and and speaking with people that have either dealt with that similar level of shame on the, the same kind of wavelength or learned to overcome a different kink that you may not have but they can teach you you know good coping mechanisms I, I don't think that there's anywhere that you can get that other than from engaging with fellow kinksters um I agree absolutely important and also you know learning that you're not alone is is probably one of the the strongest points for me um I know that when I discovered things like fat life where there were these forums and you know groups that people got together and discussed things that I'd barely even heard of before but always been aware of in myself like I didn't have a, a label for it or a name for it but it was a thing that I was into and suddenly being introduced to however many people out there were also into the same kind of thing that I thought was just like fucked up or weird about me it it really helped not even talking to them but just knowing that someone else was out there that shared that same thing mm -hmm. it was suddenly less taboo to me because someone else had it as well I suppose well I suppose it's the same kind of thing as when they have groups for you know when people have unusual illnesses and things like that and they put you into support groups and I, for one, I'm like fucking terrible with group therapy, but it really is helpful to learn that there is more than just you. You're not isolated in feeling this way or experiencing this thing or in the, in the kink world, you're not on your own liking this thing. Um, and then like, no, you, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. Love. I was just going to say, like you say about statistics, I found it absolutely fucking fascinating that the uh, journal of like sexual medicine, uh, yes. they have like, over half of respondents every pretty much every year for the past I'm like since 2014 or something like over half of them have got what they consider to be a common kink like they enjoy a common kink now I don't know what a common kink is but I would assume things in the BDSM world are considered yes. to be common so if over half of people will admit to having that, like, why should I feel ashamed of admitting to any of my kinks? And Absolutely. similarly, you've got like a third of people nowadays will say, yes, I've indulged in some form of kinky play. Like, why, why am I sat here thinking I shouldn't like this? Like, I, I think it kind of made me turn around and think, why the fuck not? Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, I know for me, like when you think about kink community or kink in general or BDSM in general, I think like, isn't it incredible that there is an opportunity to explore those desires, those fantasies and, and, and the things that, that maybe um, you're unsure of um, or aroused by in a way that is ethical, consensual, um, you know, between two people who are on the same page. Yeah. Like, yes. And absolutely. That's one of the things I love so much about kink and, you know, the communication that can happen as a result. And, and before like kinksters um, for the most part, obviously not all, but um, are incredible communicators and upfront. And I think that's just such a beautiful, a beautiful thing. 
Mm. to be able to say, this is what I like, this is what, and then someone else says, I like that too. And then figure out a way to explore that together. Um, There's a lot of freedom in that. Definitely. Definitely. And I think as well, like, you know, you have the kinds of kinksters that have to remain private because of their real life, um, yes, you know, responsibilities or, you know, just their private lives in general, they have to stay out of the limelight, that kind of thing. But the communication that they have with fellow kinksters can still be open. Um, and it gives you that opportunity, like no matter how dangerous it might be for you in the real world, you go into like an online setting and you can connect with someone that's like over 3000 miles away and share this one tiny aspect of yourself with someone else that's half a world away. And you don't have to hide who you are. You don't have to feel like you're being persecuted or anything like that. You, you get to share this moment of there's somebody else out there like me in such a tiny, tiny way. I think kink has the power to make us all feel a lot less isolated. Unfortunately, it doesn't often go that way with kink shame and being what it is. But I think when you address being ashamed of your kinks and the connections that you can make and how much you can open your world, it's, it is a beautiful thing. It's a massively powerful thing. I know that I would never have had the connection that I have with even just you two alone if it wasn't for kink. And I just, I just think it's, it's wonderful that we can create those, not necessarily relationships, but those friendships or bonds or just lines of communication with people based on something that we at some point or other have been ashamed of about ourselves. When you take ownership of it, the power that you get, not only over yourself, but to open those lines of discussion with people that are thousands of miles away or five minutes up the road, if you're lucky, it's just, it's an amazing thing. It really is an amazing thing. What about you, Shadow? Um, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Pay attention in class, please. I know, no, I, I, um, I have definitely struggled uh, with shame most of my life. I was ashamed of um, my sexual proclivities, I guess. Like I didn't, it's interesting when I look back on it, like I didn't think actively, oh, I'm ashamed of this. It was just something that in me that was like an unspoken rule that I didn't share that I was watching, you know, porn where there was rough sex or like impact or um, degradation, humiliation, those kind of things um, that I was watching, you know, that as I continued to explore um, the stories and the, uh, the content that I was looking at was getting increasingly more, uh, like quote unquote, hardcore, you know, um, I guess there's like soft BDSM and then there's like hard BDSM and like how you categorize it on porn. But, um, I never even like really shared the extent of it with, you know, my ex who I was, you know, in a relationship with for, about 12 years. Like I just, it, there was just something in me that said, don't, don't say anything. And looking back, I know it was shame. Um, and I think that for me, at least my kink journey has very much coincided and run parallel with that, um, kind of overarching decision that I made to, to leave my ex. And, um, that was like forging a new identity 
And you're absolutely right. Like once I started looking and seeing that there were other people who were into these things, it was like, oh my gosh, like um, maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe this is something people talk about. And while I know that the term community is kind of loaded and, and people have very valid um, and well-founded justifications for why that might not be the best term to identify, you know, like a, like a group of social media users or something like that. <laughs> on Life. I think you can call it a click. Yeah. The fact remains for me that, um, one kind of like, as to what glass was saying, like one of the beautiful things about kink and BDSM is that it's, it's almost like it's a, um, it's your own creation. Like you, yeah, there, there are people out there who can and do hurt others, but like, it's been my experience that consent was kind of and conversations around it and discussions of boundaries and like limits and all of the things that are integral to like having a safe and fun, well, as safe as you can get and fun <laughs> if you want it, uh, experience is like all of that conversation, all of that talking just was not present in the parts of my life that I didn't feel shame about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's almost like, okay, well, in my vanilla life, quote, I hate the term vanilla, but I'm going with it. Um, <laughs> you know, in my vanilla life, I have like all of these things where I wear a different mask to be somebody else, but I'm not ashamed of any of that. Why am I, why was I carrying so much shame about a part of me that was actually like good and like, you know, as true to my, like there's. Like really you? As, yeah. Like as, yeah. as me as it can get, like, this yeah. is, this is like a real core identity component. And um, yeah, so it's just, it's interesting to me to think about it like that, but ultimately, you know, just overcoming that shame, I think takes time. And I think it takes actually talking to people in the community or in whatever you want your community to be. For me, it is, you know, a handful of select people that I've cherry picked across Fet Life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, we talk about like community. I mean, not to get all mushy on you guys, but like y'all were like the only ones who got me a birthday present. <laughs> and like out of my friends, you know? And I was like, these are my, f- these are my people. Like this is now granted you accidentally outed me to my best friend, but that's cool. <laughs> hey, Matt, you, you could have said we were work colleagues or anything. You did not have to tell the full story of who these random two women are that were sending you a big bouquet of flowers. But you had to sign it, Dee Dee and Glass. Well, you know, I mean, maybe I'm like German shadow. and Dee Dee stands for yeah. something in German and it's really long winded and <laughs> Glass is just well, a nickname because she's, you know, delicate. Well, should she ever listen to this, she will probably <laughs> laugh because she did. Um, yeah. So Dee Dee is just for our listeners. Dee Dee and Glass sent me a bouquet of flowers, which was very sweet. And one of my closest long-term friends was here. We were about to go camping. She was like, oh, someone has flowers down in the mailroom. And I was like, oh, 
well, go ahead and pick them up and see who they're for. And she says, it's just a shadow from Dee Dee and Glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Guess so you can bring them upstairs. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Yes. I have to, that, that's probably my bad because like Glass said, just write our names. And I was like, nah. So sorry. <laughs> my bad it's totally fine it is it made my day and i needed to tell her and my community gave me that little push so and she was perfectly fine with it so that's good yeah anyway so that's well in that case then you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to like sorry go ahead carry on well i was just gonna say that you know like another way that i internalized shame for myself was, you know, I have a history of, of self-harm, um, and, and have used that type of pain in a way to cope with, you know, various things over my life. And when I discovered, you know, masochism and kind of like that outlet for pain, I really struggled, uh, with asking myself, you know, it's just, just another form of self-harm. Like, like, am I seeking pain to cope with something? Um, and I, and it was really difficult for me to kind of process and reconcile that. And what I came to was like this form of radical acceptance was whatever the reason that I enjoy masochism. And if it is coming from a place of using pain to cope, isn't it great to have a way that's in partnership with someone else. So I'm not alone mm-hmm. and it's safe because it's negotiated. Um, and I'm processing it with someone and that allowed me the space to really just be like, it's okay. Like whatever the reason, sometimes I don't need to know the why. Right. And whatever the reason it speaks to me. It just speaks to me and I'm going to fucking love it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Indeed. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, I think for me, some, some of the places that my shame came from and then, you know, it, it took me a long time of working with a, a very dear friend who was a fellow kinkster, but is a licensed professional for like, um, sex therapy. And we spent a lot of time exploring my whys and trying to go back in time. And I knew where everything was rooted in terms of when I realized I liked things, but not necessarily why I hid some of those. Like, I mean, there's still things that I don't just broadcast for as many as I do broadcast. There's still as many that I don't. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily just a shame thing. It's more about you got to time it right sometimes. Like you just, you don't want to drop that bollock every time. Um, But I was like, when I was in high school, had a very traumatic experience of being dehumanized and things like that. And so a lot of my shame around kink and BDSM actually came from what I misinterpreted BDSM to be at the time and misinterpreting what my role was within BDSM. And it was all these preconceptions and misconceptions that I had, even, even when I started researching and learning more about it, because I didn't have an identity for myself and I still struggle with that now, I kind of got stuck in this loop of shame in myself because I thought I'm either not 
good enough at being a submissive or, you know, I don't like X, Y, and Z kinks enough to be kinky and things like that. And also, you know, like masters and slaves and, and submissives that are very, very like heavy submissives and heavy masochism and, and things like that. I never, I never wanted to go anywhere near that because it would give me that sense of being dehumanized again. And I couldn't understand how to accept that being mm. consensual or negotiated or anything like that. Like it's, it's still a fear of being put into that place again. And I've experienced it once or twice with a couple of people that I trusted enough to do so just to see if I was at that point of, you know, being over it. Um, and I, I wasn't, uh, so, mm. but it, to say it didn't go well is incorrect because it, it went as well as it would when there was still a trauma there, but yes. being able to revisit that trauma and kind of, cement the understanding of okay this is why I've felt shame about this it's not because I'm ashamed of liking it it's because I am afraid of experiencing it again and that's where my shame comes from a kind of mm -hmm. thing like I'm ashamed of the fact that I don't want to put myself in a negative place on someone else's behalf and <laughs> you know it took a mm -hmm. licensed therapist to turn around and say that's not something to be ashamed of. Like you don't have to feel ashamed that you don't want to be put into a bad place mentally. Like that's mm -hmm. normal. And yeah. um, it, you know, it took it, I mean, like five years or something it took to find that realization mm -hmm. within myself. And uh, at the same time, it kind of gave me this rush of I'd hidden who I was for such a long time, because no matter who I was, was always like, bullied or as I say dehumanized and things like that and one day I kind of just woke up and I thought you know what I feel like I want to be me today and from there it just it was a snowball that just kept on rolling downhill and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and thankfully smooshed a few people at the bottom of the hill but um hell yeah love that. <laughs> I love that too Yay. yeah it was good it was good but I definitely as much as there's still a lot of guilt for sure. I do feel a lot of guilt um, and separating that out from shame was very important. I can still feel shame and inadequacy and we'll visit inadequacy elsewhere, but I can still feel that, but accept it because I know that it's not necessarily a bad thing to, to feel some sense of shame. Don't be ashamed of who you are but understand where it's it's coming from if you if you do feel that way is an okay way to be just as much as not being ashamed at all that was my really long digression about the point that I was trying to make <laughs> it's late here leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh well that's like a really empowering story Dee Dee and I think um that kind of does kind of draw into the flip side of all of that shame that we have um, is that when you come out on the other side of it, um, at least for me, the level of empowerment that I felt in finally really owning the things that I was into and like asking verbally, you know, like out loud to somebody else who was into it, you know, like, Hey, can you call me some really bad names and slap me around some? Yeah. Sweet. And then like, you know, you it's it it's a mutually empowering activity 
if you're doing it with a partner in my mind, because, uh, you know, I think that there's vulnerability on both sides there. We're both kind of coming to the table, having likely battled that shame and saying, yes, you know, this is the space for you to be who you are without, you know, fear of, of being judged for that. And, um, it's cool. I have, I have a that. question that ties into that then. So like, if you're the person saying, will you call me dirty names and slap me around a bit? And the other person says, yeah, I'm up for that. And you have this hell yeah, let's go and do it. Does it feel the same for you on the other side of the slash? So if a, a bottom or a masochist came to you and said, hey, will you call me dirty names and knock me around a bit? How would you feel about that? Because I know that you've struggled in the past with like the sadistic yeah. side of things. Would it would it feel as empowering or would you be that little bit more eek about it? Um, well, first of all, so <laughs> please don't walk up to a sadist and just be like, hey, man, can you slap <laughs> me around a little bit? Um, <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> Um, okay. Unless like you're at, you know, like a dungeon or whatever, or a play party, or you just meet this kingster on the street. No, please don't. <laughs> um, I don't really do pickup play, but I will say that, um, for me, I think it, I, I definitely sadism, sadism has been one of those kinks that is taken later for me to embrace. Um, I do think it is empowering but on a different level. So with my submission and like everything I do on the left side of the slash, it's empowering, I think for therapeutic reasons in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a facing of my traumas, you know, from my past. And it's a um, recognition that those traumas can't define me as a person. And it's got all these kind of layers. Just, I mean, you just keep peeling back that onion or parfait, depending on your preference. Parfait? What right. the fuck? That's a Shrek reference. Okay. Anyway, if you've never <laughs> seen the movie Shrek. Anyway. Okay. Moving forward. So like, I remember the onion, yeah, but not parfait. Because the donkey was like, it's like a parfait. And he said, no, it's like a, it's like an onion. Shrek was arguing with him. Cause he said there were like layers, you know, okay, whatever. Um, anyway, on the sadistic side though. So one side is, is empowering because I'm facing these, uh, parts of myself that like, you know, I felt shame about before and now I'm not on the flip side of that for me, my sadism is like a empowering activity because I'm demonstrating my ability to control my emotions. So it's a, it's, it's a different type of empowerment. It's a, it's almost an overcoming of fear instead of an overcoming of shame. And what I mean by that is that the whole reason that I never really engaged in my sadism was because, um, I was afraid that I would lose control mm -hmm. or I was afraid that the sadist in me would just take over. I was terrified of the feelings of being angry. Um, angry at what happened to me as a kid, angry at all of these different things. And that that anger, that this would just trigger the anger and I would just like lose it completely on somebody. But that was never the case. And in the first time, you know, that I hit somebody, I was approaching it with so much caution 
and doing it so slowly that I only engaged in that activity when I felt safe. And I only felt safe when I knew that my partner felt safe. So it was kind of this, it's hard to explain, but essentially I think that, that for me on the, on the, sorry, on the left side of the, sorry, I was trying to remember left and right on the left (laughs) side of the slash. um, It's more about overcoming uh, a fear. And then on the right side, it's more about overcoming a shame. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think I'd have to reflect on mine um, because I, I definitely feel more uncomfortable when someone approaches me on the left, like I'm the, I'm the left. And when they approach me in that way, I feel more uncomfortable and I haven't fully addressed or explored why that is. Um, I mean, I know, I know a lot of what my reservations are about me ever engaging in that side of things and the times Mm -hmm. where I have, (laughs) it's like when I've been asked to, I've always been like, yeah, okay. But I've only given them like, I don't know, I'd say like, 15% 15% at most of, of any of that. So it's enough for them to think that I've delivered what experience they wanted, but it's definitely not like I haven't mm-hmm. put the the level of input that I could. Um, and I think mm-hmm. like you say, that is a lot of fear. Um, not because I'm afraid of myself on that side. Like I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable there, but I'm afraid of the the devastation that would be left in the wake of it. Mm. Um, also, it boils down then. Well, sorry to interrupt, but it okay. it, boil, it sounds like it boils down to maybe more of a trust thing in your partner, like that you can recognize and allow them to handle themselves. Like, yes, I really want you to go full bore on me, like just knock me senseless, maybe. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. that you can believe that they're able to handle that part yeah. of you. Maybe. Maybe. And I think as well, I also, I start forecasting maybe their shame and feeling guilty in preparation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think of them looking in the mirror and seeing that they've got a black eye and a split lip and thinking she did this to me. And, you know, the, the, the horror that would doubtlessly erupt from that if they regretted that decision or, you know, realized Mm -hmm. that it just wasn't for them. And, so it's, it is probably a trust thing that I just think, you know what, I, I don't know that they're ready. Um, and I don't know how to know that they're ready other than their word on it. And sometimes you can think you're ready when you're not. I mean, Lord knows I've been in that situation where I yes. thought, yeah, I want you to go full bore on me. And oh, then yeah, absolutely. Way through, I sit at the side of the bed, just crying, like, please leave me alone. Um, so yeah, maybe I think it's definitely one that I need to explore further. And that's part of why I love doing this podcast with you guys is because you, you make me start pulling at little threads on the edges that I've never pulled out before. Mm. I like that visual. <laughs> well, just me oh, like yeah. pulling, pulling the sides uh-huh. of my hair out. Yep. This is why I'm going bold. Oh no. I was thinking like pulling off the threads of a really sexy lingerie. Yeah, and just I was thinking. Going. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's not what it looks like on this side of the screen. Sorry. <laughs> but feel free to oh, think that. Well. I like that okay. you guys still think I'm sexy. It's very flattering. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Big sexy. Um, okay, so my final point, the final point that I'm going to make here, and it's very, very quick, um, is 
I think one of the most important things that I would want anyone to take away from this conversation, other than me taking off sexy threads of lingerie and not walking <laughs> up to a sadist saying, hey, hit me, um, is to be <laughs> kind to yourself. Like, oh my yes. God, so important. And you cannot overstate it. Like, I think, I don't even want to count how many times we've made this point on different topics. But mm-hmm. you have to have patience in kink and BDSM as you do in life. Mm-hmm. But m- most of that patience, as much as you have to have patience for the reams of fucking idiots that can be out there, is you have to be patient with yourself and you have to be kind yep. to yourself. Um, and I think if there was a lesson that anyone was going to take away today, it would be shame happens. Um, but be kind to yourself when it does. Yeah. Thanks for joining us this week. If you'd like to know more about kink and BDSM, or if you have your own adventure to share, please visit kink101.com. That's K-Y-N-K 101.com. Because we put the Y in kink.